everyone, and welcome to Worship Matters, a podcast from Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church located in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. This podcast seeks to discuss various approaches for planning, engaging, relevant, and adaptable worship for your faith communities. My name is Dr. Cynthia Wilson, and I serve as the Executive Director of Worship Resources and the Director for Liturgical Resources here at the agency. The Discipleship Ministries offices are closed at this time due to the ravages of the coronavirus. So for that reason, like many others, our staff is working remotely from our various homes. However, we continue to share resources and alternative ways to be in worship, prayer, and praise, even as we are apart from our individual communities. But I, I think we would all agree that uh, these are unprecedented times, wouldn't you say? These are times when we could not have imagined that we would be where we are a decade ago. Our team has been trying to think of ways that we might continue to encourage and inspire you and your local church communities to remain connected through the work of worship. We wanna help you to figure out ways that you might be intentional about continuing to create the beloved community, especially in times like these. We also want to direct you to other places of fresh ideas and resources in the weeks to come. So please stay tuned. Today, our guest presenter is Reverend Hank Jenkins. Uh, Reverend Jenkins is a United Methodist Deacon and co-chair of the Association of Ministers and Disabilities, which is a caucus of the United Methodist Church. Reverend Jenkins, is currently finishing up his doctor of ministry through Wesley Theological Seminary. That's exciting. I don't think I remember that. With a final project focusing on empowering, encouraging, and developing leadership among people with disabilities. Reverend Jenkins is a paraplegic and he uses a wheelchair for mobility. He's currently residing with his wife, Joy, in Knoxville, Tennessee. Hello, my friend. So wonderful to have you with us today. Thank you so much for agreeing to take the time to talk to us today. Well, Dr. Wilson, I want to say thank you to you first for having me and allowing me to uh, to come and speak on, on a subject that I'm personally passionate about, that, uh, that I believe God has called me to, to do work in this area. Uh, as my ministry, and uh, and yes, hello to to everyone who is listening. I uh, thank you for uh, for uh, being present with me here and now in this time, and uh, and allowing me to uh, to bring uh, a few words to you about this topic. Um, just to tell you a little bit about myself, um, as Dr. Wilson said, I. Uh, I, I'm a deacon in the United Methodist Church, and I am a wheelchair user. I have been uh, since I was a child at the age of seven. Um, I was uh, actually in an automobile accident um, uh, as a child that left me paralyzed from 
uh, from just below the waist down. So I'm not able to move or fill anything uh, from just below, just below my hips. Um, uh, the accident occurred because I, I was a pa- in the passenger seat of a car that was being driven by my aunt. Uh, mm. And uh, a man in another vehicle ran a stop sign, causing us to hit him in the side. Uh, and unfortunately, I wasn't uh, I wasn't wearing my seatbelt, and the force of the accident uh, took my took my small seven year old body, and it uh, it kind of it jostled it around in the car a little bit to where uh, the final outcome was that I have a bruise on my spine mm-hmm. at the T twelve level, mm-hmm. and uh, and that bruise uh, prevents any of the um, uh, the, 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 what the, when the brain's trying to tell the, the legs to move that, yeah. that bruise prevents those signals from going down, uh, and doing that. And so that's, that's essentially why, uh, I'm not, uh, not able to walk. And, uh, yeah, so, and, and, and I'm 39 years old now. So that happened about 32 years ago. Uh, so that's just to say I have lived though. I wasn't born with a disability. I have lived uh, a majority of my life with this disability. And, and I tell people when, uh, when I've discussed this, this is my normal. This yeah. is, this is how I live my everyday life. This is how I, uh, recognize the world is from my place in, the, uh, using a wheelchair. Wow. Um, yeah. So, uh, so it's just one of those things that like, that's my perspective. Right. Um, yeah. Well, you know, Hank, um, when I, when I heard you last, we were up at Lake Jinluska. Yeah, um, the deacons were gathered there to uh, to renew our relationships and to talk a little bit about our ministries. And you shared, and I was so touched uh, by the ways in which you shared your story. Uh, and you. I, I just, I've never forgotten that moment. I was so blessed to hear um, how it is that you continue to be a vital force in this. Church called United Methodist. And yeah. I thought, especially in a time when uh, disability is looking uh, a, a number of ways for, yeah. for people in this um, viral environment. And yeah. so um, I wanted for you to share uh, with our church, many folks who are listening are church leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, many are just are, are participants in various faith communities. Um, but I think it's really important that we uh, educate ourselves about those who are among us with disabilities, some seen and some not seen. Yeah. So I don't know that many folks really take the time to deeply delve into the question, what does a disability look like and what does it not look like in our community? So why don't you talk to us about that? Yeah, and I thank you. I that that's an important question. It's an important thing to think about. Um, you know, and and one thing that I think it's important for people to realize and to understand is that uh, within society, uh, one in five people have a disability. Mm-hmm. Or you know, and and that that makes up about twenty percent of our population has a disability. And so, um, and so when you're thinking about it, as far as minority groups go. People with disabilities would actually make up the largest minority group uh, in the United States. We we really don't think about that too much. And um, disability is a it's a it's a 
it's a minority group that has a lot of intersectionality. intersectionality. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the, everybody can be disabled, and, and and there's a line of thought that goes that says, you know, if you're not disabled now, you very well could be sometime in, in your life because mm-hmm. as we get older and as as we live our lives, we know that things happen, and so it, it's a very real possibility that somebody who is not living with a disability now very well could be living with a disability in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so, and you just, I just bring that up to say that disability is something that affects us all in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, we either know someone uh, who lives with a disability or we are someone who lives with a disability. And, and as you, as you mentioned, and as you hinted at, um, there are both uh, visible disabilities and there are invis- invisible disabilities. Okay. Um, yeah. So, so someone like myself, uh, I, I use a wheelchair. Uh, it's very obvious that I have a disability. When, when somebody meets me, uh, they know that I'm a wheelchair user and, and it's very obvious. And there, there are many other people who have very obvious visible disabilities. However, there are plenty of people who are living uh, who have very invisible disabilities. Uh, and those might be people who um, who have uh, who who might have bipolar disorder, or who right. who who may have some uh, some mental health uh, things right. that they are they are dealing with in their lives. Um, and, um, and you know, you might see them uh, on a daily basis. You might know not know that they're struggling with anything at all, but they but they have very real disabilities that. Um, that uh, causes them to have uh, somewhat struggles in in life, uh, or or things that they are uh, that make life just a little bit tougher than it does for the rest of us, and we may not realize that. Uh, and so, we'll just say that that we have to be mindful of that. Sure. That, uh, that there may be things that people are dealing with that that we don't understand at all. And it's also important that when we're talking about disabilities, we're talking about a wide range of things, right? Um, so, so as I said, somebody like myself, I, I have paraplegia, um, and I, I use a wheelchair, but when we're talking about disabilities, we're also talking about people who, um, who might, uh, who might be deaf. We're also talking about people who might have down syndrome. We're also talking about people who, um, who are autistic, um, people who might have, uh, have intellectual disabilities or people who are deaf or hard of hearing. Disability is something that is wide ranging and and has a lot of components to it. Um, and so often when when issues of disability are are talked about, you talk about them in a very general sense, like the disabled community. And, and oftentimes when I get up and when I talk to people, I'm able to talk about disability in a very general sense. But you also have to realize, though, that I'm, my perspective only comes from one, one little part of the disability community. Okay. I don't know completely what it's like to live as a deaf person. I don't know what it's like to, um, to live as somebody who is autistic. Um, but I, I have a general sense of some of the issues that we deal with on a general basis. But once again, that's just, I just say that to say that there are a wide range of things that right. uh, issues that you deal with, uh, when you're talking about disability and each of those come with their own, um, accommodations that we have to make for them, that the, their own, uh, issues that, 
that have to be, um, uh, I don't want to say dealt with, but, uh, but you know, things that perspectives that we have to think about. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. So, so Hank, I, I have, a, I, I think um, you can help me with something. I, I, I have often struggled with referring to persons who uh, are not able in certain areas as differently able. Yeah. And you mentioned something about that language and and the labels that we place on uh, persons who are disabled. But I noticed that you are very intentional about using the word disabled. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for, for recognizing that. And and thank you for, for bringing that up. Um, You know, labels, especially within the disability community, labels mm-hmm. are something that are really important. Okay. Um, uh, and, and uh, you know, I think it's that way within a lot of uh, minority groups, but, um, and, but there's a lot of discussion within the disability community about labels. And, okay. and you are correct. I am very intentional about using the term disabled for myself. Um, it's, uh, it, it, it's what we would call identity first language. Okay. Um, I, and I specifically identify myself as disabled. Um, now, the reason why I do that is because I believe that um, uh, my disability is a part of my identity. It is a part of who makes me who I am. Uh, um, mm-hmm. and, and I don't find any shame within that. Uh, in fact, I, you know, I believe that my disability is how as I said earlier, it's how my, it's my perspective on this world. Um, it is, um, it, it is in some ways a gift to me that I can use to reach out to people, to interact with people. Um, and, um, and I believe that God uses my disability to do mm-hmm. wonderful things in this world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and so I'm very intentional about using the term or saying I am disabled because I, I really believe that we need to take some of the shame away mm-hmm. from the term disability. Um, and because there, a lot of times people have very negative connotations when they think of disability, they mm-hmm. think of brokenness, they think of, uh, they think of somebody that's not whole. Um, and, and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to discount that there is some suffering and there is some pain with disability. There definitely is. But at the same time, it is an identity that that a person can be proud of if they choose to be. Mm-hmm. Now, that is a perspective that I have, and it's a perspective that many other disabled people have. Not all people with disabilities are going to have that perspective, okay. right? Okay. Um, and so when we're talking about labels or language when talking about people with disability, it's always important to ask the individual what they prefer to call okay. themselves. Okay. Uh, that's because, mm-hmm. Yeah, because... Uh, every person is going to be different. And, and, you know, as I said, I use disabled, that's identity first language. The other, uh, I guess, the other proper uh, way to to label somebody is person first language. And, and you may have heard a lot of person first language. So uh, one of the the common, um, uh, common titles or or proper titles would be a person with a disability, or as a paraplegic, I'm a person who has paraplegia uh, okay. and, and the, the kind of understanding with person first language is that you identify the person before you identify the disability. And that may be somebody who real it's really important for them that you recognize them as a person first. Okay. 
Um, now, as you said, there are a lot of people who um, who like using the term differently able. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, and, and, and it's very well-meaning, uh, well-intentioned for people to use that term. Okay. However, I, I, you know, I have to warn that within the disabled community, there's a lot of pushback against that term. Okay. Uh, because uh, for those within the disabled community, they see it as hiding their identity, hiding who they are, and, and uh, unintentionally placing shame within that term disabled because you're trying to hide that term, right? Right. Uh, and, and just by saying differently abled, you're trying not to, you're intentionally trying not to use the term disabled. Um, okay. And there are people who, uh, who really push back against that. Now, how, how, now, having said that, I, there are a lot of parents of people with disability mm-hmm. who really uh, embrace the term differently abled. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and there are people who their disability does cause them a lot of suffering and, and does cause them a lot of pain and who do see disability as a person, as a burden, they would really, they might really claim that term differently abled. Okay. Um, and so after saying all that, you might think, well, how am I supposed to know what to use or how to use it? And, and that's a good question. And that's why it's always important to ask the individual what they prefer. Okay. Or how they would prefer to be to be uh, uh, talked about in that way, or absolutely, yeah, yeah. That's that's that is so um, helpful because when when I think about our conversation today, as it relates to be the uh, faith community being welcoming and being yeah. hospitable, you know, that's I think that's an important part of it. Don't it is, yeah. Say? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so the so so one of the things that really can uh, serve as a barrier to the way that a person feels in our midst is that piece called identity and how it is that we recognize um, persons that we do that properly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I always think it's it's really important when you're referring to or welcoming. Uh, people with disabilities that are, or the disabled community that you always use proper terms. And, and I will say there are, there are some terms you definitely want to stop using, you know, or, or not use, you know, uh, the term handicap, uh, uh-huh. you know, that's kind of an outdated term and it's not one that's really, uh, appreciated much anymore. Okay. Uh, uh, obviously, you know, mental retardation or, uh, you know, the R word is not one that we like. Uh, mentally ill, wheelchair bound, or uh, and this is one a lot of people don't know about. Hearing impairment is a term that's uh, not really appreciated. Uh, so, so those are and definitely a term like cripple uh, is not one that you should use. Uh, so, what about, so, what about um, Hank in preaching? Because you know, the scripture talks about the man or the woman who's crippled, or yeah. How do we deal with with that kind of uh, identification? Yeah, you know that's a really good question, um, and there are some like, there are some scriptures that use some terms that right. uh, that we really don't appreciate. You know, uh, cripple is one of them. Uh, another term is lame. Uh, you yeah, hear, yeah, you know, yeah. you would hear that a lot. I would say that um, if you are able to change it, uh, and, and okay. you know, there are, there are different. Uh, 
there are different uh, interpretations of the Bible who who have changed that term because it is an outdated term and it's not one that we should use. And, it, and if it's not real, uh, and it if it's not real pertinent to the the scripture, uh, mm-hmm. it, what I mean is like if it's not going to change the meaning, if we change that term, go ahead and change it because using those terms do cause harm. Uh, be, and they cause harm because of the way that they have been abused, abused throughout our history or, you know, the the derogatory ways that they have been used towards the disabled community. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's important that uh, that we offer that that respect to those uh, in changing that term. Uh, and and there's actually um, uh, a lot of our hymns also have some of these terms in them. Mm. And uh, we have to be mindful of that. Um, one of my dear uh, friends, uh, Corey Hermans Webster, out of uh, she she is a she just recently graduated from Boston University, but she has written her thesis on uh, examining some of these hymns that have uh, ableist language in them and uh-huh. uh, finding ways that we can change those so that they don't cause harm to those who might hear them. Um, and so, um, and, you know, I don't know it well enough to talk about it here, but those are things that we can explore and that we can think about and examining uh, how is our language hurtful uh, and that we don't even recognize it and uh, just finding ways that we can change it and, and making those things more welcoming and hospitable. So, so you just used a term that I don't think I was familiar with before, ableist. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so just as we have would, just as we would talk about the evils of racism or sexism, uh, there's also ableism that exists within the world. Um, and ableism is just, um, it's the assumption that there's a normal way of living in the world and either through embodiment or in the way that we act or interact with the world and that anything that falls outside of those assumptions is abnormal, right? Uh-huh. So, so ableism is that idea that, and usually it's it's based around um, uh, of a uh, able-bodied person's assumption or view of what normal is, right? And anything mm-hmm. that exists with outside of that is abnormal. Um, a uh, the Disability Ministries Committee of the United Methodist Church. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, it's not the group that I'm a co-chair of, but it's one that I'm uh, closely associated to and do a lot of work with. Mm-hmm. Um, they have recently put together a fabulous a handout on ableism. Um, and, and they did that in conjunction with the, uh, um, uh, with G-Corps. Um, okay. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and you can find that on, uh, on the Disability Ministries Committee's website. I, I sent a link to you, and so right. y'all might be able to put that out. But I would encourage people to look at that and find, uh, just look at ways that ableism exists in the world, um, um, and in ways that we can fight against that. You know, and and ableism exists within uh, within our language, as I just described. You know, terms like lame, uh, the phrase turned uh, some. If you say somebody turned a blind eye, or mm-hmm. uh, or you know that that comment fell on deaf ears. Those are ableist, that's ableist language because we're, we're talking about how something uh, that is an identity for somebody that we're saying that that's a bad thing or, or, 
Uh, and, and we need to be mindful of that. Uh, even things that, um, you know, phrases we hear all, all the time, or if somebody says, oh, that's just so crazy, or that's so insane. Mm. That's an ableist term. That's, that's ableist language, because we're, we're speaking ill of somebody who may have a mental health condition. Uh, and, and we just had to be mindful of those things of, you know, how that might, how that might sound to somebody who is actually dealing with some of those, uh, or who actually is living with some of those conditions. So we, it, we just have to be very, very mindful of that. Um, and, you know, ableism is, is something that, uh, is real and exists within the churches. And, and it's something that I, I tell people a lot. I feel like disability and ableism to an extent is something that um, people, it's not often done with any malicious intent. Uh, Discrimination against people with disabilities is often something that is done as kind of uh, unintentional that we just don't think about it. Right. right? Yeah. We just don't know any better. We've just, we've always lived this way in our lives and it never occurred to us to be thinking about that. Um, That's why I invited you today. Yeah, I appreciate it. I need you to educate us and and help us to be more sensitive to. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. Because I think so many times when churches want to invite, say, uh, a group that's that's deaf, um, Mm -hmm. you know, there are just some things that there are just some protocols uh, that we ought to be aware of. Well, in general, just people who are disabled in whatever way. And we often refer to our work and our ministries with these persons as ministry to these persons. And we just assume as the church that these folks are just totally unable to do anything for themselves. (laughs) And so we are constantly ministering to, as opposed to understanding the part, like for for instance, yourself, You, you are a powerful force in this United Methodist Church so I want to think of us as being in ministry with each other. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And that's my hope also, you know, I, I, I believe that, you know, oftentimes within the church, just as you said, we're always thinking about doing ministry to uh, often people with disabilities, because when we think about disabilities, we often, you know, you're, you're thinking about uh, we're thinking about the least of these, right. Right. Or we're thinking about people we need to be a mission to, which on some level that's good, but when we're thinking about the least of these, we're we're othering them, right? Right. right. Uh, and and we need to recognize that people with disabilities, one, they're just as much a part of the created humanity just as we are, right. and they have a call on their lives just as much right. as we do. Uh, And they're a part of the body of Christ just as much as we are. And we should treat them as such. Uh, And so and so I think it's important and it's important for me to help the church understand that um, that people with disabilities need to be welcomed into full participating members of your congregations, Uh, not just people that um, not just people we're doing ministry to. Right. And, And often, you know. Here's the thing. Often when we're thinking about disability ministries or ministries to the people with disabilities, the truth is we're thinking about usually one or two things. We're thinking about doing ramp ministries, which are good. Those are those are things that should be done. We should be going out and building ramps for people who, who can't get into their homes. 
or we're thinking about what we would call special needs ministries. Mm-hmm. Um, and those what are very good. What about that term, Hank? What about the term special Ooh, needs? thank you for asking. So um, once again, it's a term that that gets a lot of pushback in the disabled community okay. because it is seen as a condescending term. Mm. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, special is like, well, okay, you have special needs, but the truth is everybody alive has special needs because we're all unique. <laughs> right. Like, we all have our own special needs in our life that have to be met. Right. Um, but when we talk about people with disabilities and we're talking about, well, okay, it's a special needs ministry. That's kind of a condescending term. Now, it's a term that has been around a long time and I don't want to discount the amazing work that some special needs ministries are doing. Um, And I want to lift up and, and and I think we should be embracing those, but we might need to rethink that term uh, because, because, and once again, it has an assumption with it that we're doing ministry to a group of people. uh, And we need to be finding ways to be in ministry with and empowering those people. Um, and also, um, not everybody would agree with this, but also sometimes special needs ministries can be more of just a, a daycare for parents, right? And so it really becomes about, uh, it's really a ministry for the parents so that they have some time for themselves and not as much about the individual with a disability. Now, I'm not saying all of them are that way, but I, I definitely think that there are some that that might uh, uh, might might function that way. And so we just have to think about it. What are ways that we can empower people within those ministries, whether they be children or adults, to really be um, nurturing their own discipleship right. uh, and, and building them up as, uh, as uh, building up their own faith lives. And, right. and that's an important thing to do. Right. This is, uh, this is so good. I, um, while I was working um, on my dissertation, one of the books that was really, really important to my work um, was Ruth Duck's book around um, finding finding language mm-hmm. that that feeds the hearts and minds of people, um, yeah. rather than that impedes that becomes an impediment for uh, them coming into the faith community. But maybe if we think about it as expanding the language right and so so if if churches could understand special needs as let me let me use an example that's close to to my heart when i was serving the the local church as a pastor of music and worship um and my children were very young when if i was playing for the worship service Mm -hmm. and if my child was in arms i needed somebody to hold my baby Right. Well, that was a special need that exactly. I had. Exactly. So if that ministry in these church, if, you know, if we continue to use that terminology, maybe if we expanded the definition of what that is, then maybe it wouldn't feel so pejorative. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. You know, and it, it, it uh, and as it, it, it needs to be something more than just that narrow-minded, that right. narrow way of thinking about it. So. Sure, sure. So, so okay. So now we find ourselves in this um, viral environment, is what I like to call it. Yeah. And um, so, I would love for you to say something about how it is that the 
idea of being disabled in faith communities and the idea of accessibility and distancing and all of those things. Tell me about, tell me how that is uh, impacting in your mind's eye, um, the ways in which we are, we can be more um, effective yeah. with disabled persons. Well, it, you know, the past couple months have really been interesting for uh, this, the disabled community, especially those who, um, who are connected to faith communities and who see themselves as part of uh, a part of uh, church congregations. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the interesting things that when that happened, whenever so many churches were shutting down and were going to uh, online only worship, is that a lot of the people within the disabled community really, really appreciated that, mm-hmm. right? And because there were, um, for some people with disabilities, getting to their home churches. Um, for whatever reason, has had has been hard throughout their life, even when we're not in the middle of a pandemic, right? Yeah, because yeah. sometimes getting to church is hard, either because the church isn't accessible mm-hmm. and you can't get into a church that the rest of your family or the rest of your friends go to, or because of health conditions, it has over time prevented you from being able to make it to the church. Mm-hmm. And so when a lot of churches went to online worship, it then offered a way for uh, those individuals who had been shut out of their church homes to now once again be rejoined into those faith communities. And so there were a lot of people with disabilities who really appreciated that uh, because it made them feel like um, they were once again a part of their home congregations or that they were able to worship at the same time with, uh, with their church family. Um, so, it, so what a lot of what I have heard and people I've talked to is how important it is that once churches start looking at reopening, how mm. important it will be to maintain an online presence mm. uh, if a church is able to, because you want to maintain the ability to reach out to and be connected to uh, those people with disabilities who may or may not have been able to. Uh, to connect to your uh, your congregations, uh, first of all. Uh, another thing that has been in, important to think about with so many churches going to an online worship service is how are um, how are you making those those worship places accessible for maybe somebody who uh, who is deaf, right? And so captioning has become really really important. And it's something that not all congregations are doing. Uh, so that if you if you have your uh, worship service on Facebook Live or on Zoom or YouTube, are if you can if you have the ability to caption those services, it makes it so uh, much more accessible to to the deaf community. And and captioning really, you know, honestly, when it. it I worried that it would be something that's hard, but it's really not that hard to get captioning done. Now, Facebook Live and and uh, I, I believe YouTube, sometimes they have automatic captioning that if you're doing it live, but sometimes that's not the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're, you know, if you know that you're being, if it's an automatic or auto captioning, mm-hmm. um, that you need to speak really slow and make sure that your words are being pronunciated in order for it to catch it or else you'll have words that, 
in your caption that don't really mean it. But if you're recording your service, it's really easy to download your recording to uh, on a website. Uh, there are certain captioning websites. For instance, there's one called rev.com. Uh, you do have to pay a little bit to use it, but it sends you um, <laughs> it sends you uh, the uh, transcript of your service, which you can then then download yes. over the top of your video and puts a captioning there, which is really really important for um, for uh, uh, several members of uh, of our congregations to to hear. You know, this is something that there's a. a the Committee on uh, Deaf and Hard of Hearing in the United Methodist Church, and there's the United Methodist Congress for the Deaf and Hard of Hearing, and um, uh, I, I apologize, I may be getting the name of the other one wrong, but okay. they have a lot of information uh, okay. on ways to do that, as well as the Disability Ministries Committee has a lot of information on on how you can do right. captioning for uh, for your uh, uh, to make it more accessible. Now, now let me interrupt you. Because I gotta put this plug in for yeah. screens. You know, every um, every church uh, in in local churches where uh, the worship service is typically very yeah. traditional, um, and then when they move into the season where they have to consider contemporary worship, and so there must be uh, those trappings that are a part of what it means to be in a contemporary service. And of course, a screen is one of those things. But people get real upset about putting up a screen. Well, here's a situation where the screen is functioning in a totally different way. It isn't just functioning for praise, the praise team. (laughs) Exactly. It is an accessibility tool. Oh, my goodness. Amen, amen. Oh my word! You have just made my day. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, they, and it's important to think about like accessibility is something that is good for everyone, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, it, while we want captioning, we want words up there for uh, for our our deaf church members in order to be able, our deaf and hard of hearing church members, and able to to participate. It is also helpful for somebody who is able to hear, but wants to be able to, but doesn't quite know what the words mean, right? right. And, and is able to like, oh, that's what that word is. That's what they're saying. I thought they were saying, <laughs> right? How, it, it, accessibility is good for everyone. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's really, are you, that, no, that was my epiphany for the day. Thank you so much for that. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, and we really, um, those of us who are worship leaders are are really going to have to to be more intentional about adding that to the conversation because we really have not talked about, um, you know, we we talk about being able to articulate in a way that people understand. But the point is that sometimes uh, we're not, especially in singing, you know, of a choir singing an anthem or whatever, or the preacher's preaching and there might be a slight lisp or whatever, you know, the, right. the, the point is you just want people to know what you're saying. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And yeah. Oh my goodness. You know, every, my wife and I, we don't watch a movie anymore without having the captioning on because it helps us, it helps us follow along better. Okay. So it's okay. important. Yeah. Okay. 
so, so say some more about um, reopening and because um, what you're really revealing to us today about this business of, um, you know, making our way back into spaces. Uh, you, what you're helping us with is those systems of hospitality that we have certainly overlooked in subtle ways. So um, I just want to talk to you for the rest of the day. You're just really blessing me today. <laughs> just, uh, any, what else would you want um, our listeners to know um, about connecting with our disabled communities and individuals both within the church community and those persons who are not yet there. Another piece that I want you to say something about is uh, when I was, again, when I was doing music in the local church, we would periodically invite uh, the church, the churches for, uh, who were um, established and ministering to exclusively to the deaf. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I, I would, periodically invite their choirs right. to come and uh, participate in our worship. And there were just so many things about that, that it was, there, it was more than just them coming into the room. And, you know, there was, there were just many, many things that were associated with hosting right. a choir that's, that was deaf. So, you know, would you say some more to us about the hospitality detail as we think about reopening and regathering in space well you know specifically as as we're thinking about reopening you know as we all are this is new territory for everyone right. uh, and so i you know i think for the disabled community a lot um i i think like the the association ministers with disability and i know the disability ministries committee we ourselves are thinking about what does this look like to, to reopen and how can we, what are ways that we, that churches can be, uh, as you said, accessible and hospitable mm -hmm. in this new, this new world that we're going to be living in right. and, and uh, that as we reopen our churches. Mm -hmm. um, the first thing that I think that, that you can't, that churches can do and that you know, we've already talked about a little bit with accessibility in general is if if a congregation, if a church leader knows of people with disabilities that are already worshiping with them or already part of their church family, mm -hmm. before you reopen or as you reopen, reach out to them and, and, and just ask. Uh, and it's always important and it's always okay to ask, like, what can we do to make this more most accessible to you? And, and what, as we reopen, if you feel comfortable returning, what, what ways would you feel the most safe and healthy in returning and what can we do for you? So always ask the individual. Um, it's always, and it's also important that, um, you know, when, when we return, uh, most of us, I hope are, we're going to be wearing masks, right? It, it's going to be a safety issue. Mm -hmm. Um. But that's once again going to be uh, that's going to be a problem for um, for our friends who are deaf, right? Mm -hmm. uh, because they they won't be able to see and see when you're talking. So it'll be important one if if, if your churches are able to to hire uh, a sign language interpreter right. 
uh, to be able to interpret. But for those people who might read lips, that's going to be really tough. And so um, there are, so it might be important to think about uh, there are face masks that have an opening uh, at the window so people can see your mouth. Uh, so it, so if we, if you know, you have people who, um, who identify as deaf within, within your congregation uh, to maybe get one of those, if you're talking directly to them uh, mm-hmm. or, or, uh, or to think about ways. And, and, and once again, the disability ministries committee, they, they've put a lot of work into this. Uh, they on face mask and everything, you can find a link on their, uh, under their coronavirus resources about um, face mask and, and things that you can do for that. Is that one of the, is that one of the links that you sent to me? I don't believe so. Okay. Uh, I, I apologize. No, uh, no, it's okay. We'll find it. We'll find yeah, it. but uh, people can go to the the Disability Ministries website, which is uh, umcdmc.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one of the links that you can find on their homepage is uh, uh, about uh, coronavirus and, and okay. communities during this time. And I believe there's, there's information on there about face masks and uh, and what can be done with that. Okay. Um, now, uh, now, I think I want to ask you one more thing before our time totally runs out. And that is um, the idea of uh, intentional discipleship for persons who are disabled. Mm-hmm. Um, because we've been talking about persons who are already in the house, right? Yeah. Uh, folks who we know are, are part of the congregation, or they may be a, a family member of folks who are in the congregation. So, these are, are, are part of that demographic that we are aware of. Mm-hmm. Uh, but what about, um, in what ways can the church do a better job of reaching out to, because these, what I found, what I found is that persons who are disabled are not really anxious to come among us. Um, and, yeah. and there are reasons for that, right? Right. Yeah, and there definitely are reasons for that, and and one of them, you know, a lot of times, uh, historically, people with disabilities um, haven't always felt welcome in church communities. And, you know, part of that, you know, there, we we just recently celebrated 30 years of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Uh, what what a lot of people don't know is that um, evangelical organizations and church organize, organizations organizations. Um, fought in order to be exempt from the ADA. Uh, mm-hmm. and, uh, and and there were a lot of people with disabilities who uh, who look back and still refer to that because they're hurt by that. And so, uh, but also a lot of times when people come into churches, um, churches uh, react to them as individuals to be fixed or uh, to be healed. And, and, and you know what? There are scriptures that speak to that. Um, but... Uh, but that is problematic, right? Because not everybody just wants to go into a church and be the object of being fixed or healed. Um, So one of the things that, and, and, and also on top of that, a lot of our churches aren't accessible, right? Right. Uh, A lot of our churches, people with disabilities can't even get into, or Mm -hmm. if they do show (laughs) up, they're not able to uh, participate fully in the worship service because, Mm -hmm. uh, because, they uh, either uh, can't hear or can't see uh, what's what's taking place or um, for a lot of times, you know, uh, the accessible spot in the sanctuary is in the very back of the church or behind everybody who's standing up. 
Um, and so it, so we've just made it really hard for people with disabilities to be a part of our, our congregations. I just say all that one of the things that you can do, uh, churches can do an accessibility audit. Um, in fact, according to our book of discipline, um, uh, you know, there's a space in our book of discipline that says that churches should be doing a yearly disability audit. Um, but, um, unfortunately that doesn't get enforced a whole lot. Um, and so churches just don't do them, but you can find an accessibility audit. Once again, disability ministries committee, uh, has it on their website. Um, and you can go through and look for ways that your church can be more accessible, uh, and welcoming. Another thing you can do, you know, there are plenty of organizations within our communities that serve the disabled community. Reach out to those organizations and find ways that your church can partner with them and and let them know that you want to be a welcoming place for people with disabilities and find ways that you can partner with them, but also let them know that people with disabilities are welcome in your space uh, and and just make that known. And I would also encourage um, ministers that um, educate yourselves on disabled theology. You know, there's a whole, just as there is a, a uh, black and feminist and, and right. queer theology, there right. is disabled theology. Mm-hmm. Um, and so educate yourselves on uh, some of that disabled, the, uh, some, of the, some of the disabled theologians. One of the great ones is Nancy Eastland mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in the past, or Kathy Black, Denver Creamer. You know, there's a whole list of disabled theologians mm-hmm. um, that you can read and educate yourselves and, and be able to preach on specific narratives like the healing narratives from a disabled perspective mm-hmm. um, and not, you know, what is it, what does a person with a disability think about when you're preaching those narratives or, or talking about those scriptures? Um, and, and those are just some ways that we could be more welcoming yeah. and do yeah. and, and think about reaching out to the disabled yeah. community. Yes. Yes. Wow, this has just been tremendous. I am just so happy that you came today and um, that you you have shared richly. And I just, I know for sure that we'll be calling you back um, because I know that we've only scratched the surface uh, in terms of this conversation. But I, I just really feel very deeply that we just have not been intentional enough about the ways in which that demographic of the world um, has has really been included. Um, So inclusivity has been exclusive uh, in many ways to this particular demographic. And so I know that persons listening will have other questions. And thank you also for sending the links that you sent. Um, I want people to know that those links uh, will can be found on our website uh, at least by if they're not there now uh, know that they will be there by the end of this week uh, and all of the the uh, various resources that Hank has mentioned um, are, are available to you through our website and then there are uh, links to the links <laughs> uh, where you can find additional information uh, Hank's information will be there if you want to talk further uh, with him but your website is it is we can reach you by 
Well, you can reach me by email uh, if you want to talk to me personally. That would be rev.hank.jenkins uh, at gmail.com. Would you say that one more time? Say that one more time. Rev.hank.jenkins mm-hmm. at gmail.com. Great. Okay. And you can also, as I said, I am the co-chair of the uh, United Methodist Association of Ministers with Disabilities. Uh, you can find our website at umdisabledministers.org. Mm-hmm. And we also um, are becoming active on Twitter. Um, and uh, this is fairly new, so I'm going to have to look this up real quick. Okay. And I'm not running that Twitter, uh, but it... <laughs> I apologize. Uh, well, that's okay. They can they can get that from you when they email yeah. you or yeah. So that'll be yeah. um, that will be available to them. Yeah. It, well, you can find us on Twitter at AMW Disabilities. All right. Yeah. And we will be sure to include that information um, on our site as well, so that yeah. people know how to find you. Yeah. Well, listen, uh, sisters and brothers, ladies and gentlemen, friends, we. Thank you so very much for joining us today. Thank you, Reverend Hank Jenkins, for uh, this rich dialogue. We have appreciated so much all that we have learned uh, from this conversation. Friends, remember that you can, again, access these uh, various morsels of wisdom uh, from at our website. Our website is umcdiscipleship.org, again, It is umcdiscipleship.org. And uh, feel free to go to the worship resources uh, area and you will find what you need, I promise. Uh, Don't forget that we are here regularly. And so even though we are uh, sequestered in our various homes and spaces, know that we are still here for you, sharing information as best we can. But until the next time that we're together, I pray that God will bless you mightily in your worship ministry, in your homes, as you continue to stay safe and stay well. And as you continue to make disciples, even during this viral environment for the transformation of the world, God bless you. This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.